Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, my friends, you've tuned in to America's Home for Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I am your host, the one and only Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Send your thoughts, your questions, your feedback. You can send articles or things that you would like to see me discuss or hear me discuss on this program. And you can also send your adoration and praise there, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. I mentioned yesterday during the program <clears throat> that today would be a little bit different. And today's going to be significantly different. And I'll, I guess I'll start by saying what we normally do on this program. Um, what we normally do is talk about current events. We talk about culture. We talk about politics. We talk about things that are in the news. We talk about things that are in the news that People aren't talking about sometimes. Sometimes we spend more time, um, you know, delving into other issues um, maybe more deeply than is covered in traditional uh, traditional media. And, but the idea, the idea for this program is always to use current events as a springboard. I, if, if I'm being a hundred percent candid with you which I always am, just in a moment of just trying to say something as succinctly as I can here when, when it comes to kind of a core way that we approach the program. I I don't really... Some people... Let me say it this way. There's some, some people who love to talk about um, all the details of the news. And what I mean by that is... Uh, go through, say, for example, Hunter Biden's emails line by line, just as an example. Um, go through all of the ways that the, I don't know, that uh, the Clinton Foundation or the Hillary campaign or the Biden, whatever, just things that are happening and go through with a fine-tooth comb to kind of talk about some of those problems. And that's that's important, that's necessary, but we try to I look at it from a philosophical level, an ideological, a worldview level. So for me, it's really I don't know, quite simple in our daily approach, which is we talk about cultural events, political events, things that are happening in the news, so forth to open up a larger discussion on Something that I think, well, ideally it would be something that's a, a, either a, a deeper lesson or something that might even be a fundamental truth. And so the news, the things that are happening, the things that happen within a given, you know, news cycle or a given day, given week, whatever, those are springboards to talk about bigger ideas and bigger principles. It's not just. Uh, coming on here to try to get people to think about a current, I don't know, news story a certain way. 
I think what we want to do is we want to appeal to people's drive, people's desire to understand and to hear truth. And at its core, that's what we try to do here every day. The mission of this program is to help people hear and receive truth. Now, I say that, and a lot of people get, I can feel some people's feathers get ruffled about that. Let me say, I don't mean to imply that we have everything figured out. That is not what I mean. I think that the important part of defending truth or articulating truth or helping pass along these principles that are based and rooted in truth is um, it's it's imperative. It's it's necessary. And when we have a truth that's been revealed to us, a truth that's been discovered, however you want to phrase that, I think it's important that we make sure that that is that that never becomes forgotten, right? That we're not passing along, we're not just passing along a society that has certain, I don't know, a certain framework in place, a certain system of functioning, but it doesn't understand why. The why always matters. Context matters. You'll hear me say that on this program a lot because context absolutely positively, uh, positively unequivocally matters. And so that's what we try to do on this program each and every day. That's kind of the premise. But we've, we have this situation in our country where I think people are, are longing for truth. I think politics are unavoidable at the moment. I don't, when Trump was president, for example, the media, I don't get, I don't want to get too much into this today. There's something I really want to move this conversation toward, but there was no way to hide from politics. People who had maybe successfully hidden from politics for a long time, you know, ignored it, didn't care, whatever. Um, it became harder and harder to do that. And there's a couple of reasons. Yes, Trump was a, is a big personality. He's not going to, uh, he has a way of being able to control the media narrative and, and draw attention to himself and, you know, engage in fights and, and, understand how to play the the public relations game he's he's masterful at that um but even beyond that there's other factors at play and the media typically the media did to trump the same thing it had done to other republican presidents but trump didn't back down normally i said this in previous programs normally a republican president when he's in power um might push an agenda until he begins to get, you know, accusations thrown at him from the press or whatever that say uh, you're a racist or homophobe or whatever it is, sexist, you know, the tr uh, typical sorts of things that happen. And a lot of times this causes people to say, look, I just don't want to have that fight. I'm not going to press these issues. Let's focus on something else instead of having that fight. Trump said, bring it. Trump said, that's not true. You're fake news. You make things up, you come out here and you lie every day, and you're very fake news. And so the media amped up the accusations, and Trump, in turn, <laughs> amped up his response, and neither side was going to give in. And the media was perplexed because they were used to Republican presidents kind of backing off, but Trump, Trump didn't do that. So all that stuff, all that stuff, plus you couple that with Trump's ideological positions or the things maybe I don't think Trump's necessarily super ideological but 
the things that Trump wanted to do were antithetical to the radical left's viewpoint. And so they panicked. I mean, they, they really um, they amplified everything that he said to make it sound like, you know, I mean, my goodness, folks, they, they convinced a large chunk of the country that we were seconds away from a complete overthrow of our government, that Trump was going to be a Nazi. I mean, all this stuff, kids in cages, you can go back in history and look at this. And so the point is, again, I don't want to get bogged down there, but the point is it becomes, it, it has become unavoidable to talk about politics and or to even uh, to, to ignore it. It's become so front and center and now politics is involved. Everything's political. What you eat, what you drink, what you drive, what you wear. If you go to Disney, right? If you watch the NFL, the NBA, all these things. Political, political, political. And it's everywhere. And, you know, on top of that, we've got high-tech, uh, big-tech, high-tech forms of communication. People can express themselves and be on the verge of going viral with some comment or whatever and they and it just feeds the beast it feeds this this beast and ultimately the, the point is it forces everyone to look at what's happening in this country and then on top of that we've got a president joe biden an administration we've got a party the democrat party who's in currently in control of the senate and the house um, they are I mean, just they've started a dumpster fire here. I mean, this is this is completely um, just a complete debacle and a mess. And when inflation is as bad as it is, when um, when there's other factors, supply chain problems, just just the general tension and 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 things that happen in our everyday lives, right? I mean, trying to go out to a restaurant and get service because no one's no one's working. Um, I, I commented to my wife the other night. I was I was out not super late, but relatively late for a weekday evening, and everything was effectively closed. Which, on the one hand, is fine. I'm not suggesting. You know, may, maybe that's better in some ways. I don't know. I'll leave that up for you to decide. But the point is, all this stuff has changed dramatically since COVID, and. There's a new normal, in, in a sense. <clears throat> it's not uncommon, at least at least places that I've been to. If you go to certain restaurants for lunch, there might be a sign on the door. Sorry, we're not open for lunch today. We're understaffed, or whatever the case may be. We open at four for places that were normally open all the time. That's just one tiny example, but you know, you know the point. I mean, we, there. No matter where we go or what we do, this this issue of politics is front and center, or, or the, I guess. It's un. It's impossible to avoid the 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 reality of these issues and how they impact our our daily lives. And so, in saying that, and this is how I wanted to end this first segment and queue up what we're going to do the rest of the program. In saying that, people, I think, are longing and yearning for truth. I think people understand that. Things are not working the way they're supposed to do. I think they don't understand. A lot of folks don't because they didn't pay attention. It's not that they're stupid. That's that's what liberals often believe. They believe they're smart. The rest of us are idiots, and they should be in charge of every aspect of our life, and that makes perfect sense to them. I don't look at it that way at all. I think no one cares more about your problems than you. I think no one cares more about your children than you. Loves them, cares for them, provides for them. 
I think no one is better equipped at making decisions for your life than you. I mean, if you're a minor, you know you have your children in that process of becoming an uh, you're a child, you have parents, and you're becoming an adult, learning the process of, of being able to make decisions and, and to adult in today's world. But if you are an adult, there's there's no one that's better equipped at solving your problems than you. In fact, that's, <laughs> I mean, you could say that um, God made you specifically to deal with the problems you were going to face, I guess, in, in, one, in one sense. So anyway, this is everywhere we look. It's unavoidable. People have focused on it. They know something's wrong. They don't necessarily know what it is. They hear all sorts of answers. They see all sorts of uh, inflammatory rhetoric. You know, when you think about Thanksgiving dinner, now some of you are fortunate enough to have reasonable people <laughs> that come to these gatherings. Some, you know, and even if there's political disagreements, there's not a big fight. It doesn't have to be discussed. Or if it is, it's discussed very civilly or whatever. Others have the nephew or the, uh, I don't know, the uncle who's a conspiracy theorist or whatever that come to these events and uh, some radical leftist or whatever that come to your family events. And it makes it almost unbearable because they come in um looking for a fight or whatever. And so it's it's unavoidable. It's right there in front of our faces. People know something's broken and they just necess- they can't necessarily put their finger on it. So I say all this to say there has never in my opinion been a better time to persuade people, at least in my lifetime. I'm 44 years old with the body of a 43-year-old. 44 years old and I don't think there's ever been a better time in my lifetime where the the conditions are ripe for people to want to engage in these conversations and being able to know how to handle that, being able to know um, how to do that effectively and wisely is a, I think a critical skill at this particular point in time. And for those who um, maybe are my, my Christian brothers and sisters listening as well, these sorts of things that we're going to talk about today, I think also are helpful in the way that you share you share your faith in Christ with people as well. Um, a lot of this stuff is going to be firmly rooted, I think, in, in biblical teaching. So we're at this point where people are ready, I think, to hear truth, and someone just has to stand up and articulate it. But it's not just about standing up and yelling it. It's about earning the right to be heard. It's about empathizing with someone where, where they have struggles. It's about understanding their perspective and viewpoints. And all of this, there's, there's kind of a process that has to happen on a case-by-case basis to where you can actually be influential uh, and maybe steer someone towards the truths of the constitutional conservative worldview, the Christian conservative worldview, if you will. And so I want to share with you some of these things that um, that I've learned. And I don't want you to think that I've got it all figured out. I don't want you to think, I mean, I'm a lot of what I've learned, I learned from making a lot of mistakes, right? I mean, that's that comes uh, comes with the territory. But the if we want to save this nation, if we want to see 
this nation move back towards truth and principles that are good and wholesome and just foundationally necessary for this republic. We have to understand that we can't just talk to people who agree with us. We're going to have to expand that, the size of the tent, if you will. We're going to have to make it bigger. And we're going to have to meet those people where they are. And we're going to have to understand how to effectively engage with them, articulate when it's time to articulate, listen, and all that sort of stuff. And so I want to go through some of this. We're... um. We're, we're in the process of, of developing some courses for conservative, not bitter university. Some of that stuff's been tabled for us because of our some changes that we're going through right now, which include uh, we, we have a radio syndicator now and actually a television syndicator too. So we're, and we're looking at the truth. So we got a lot of stuff on our plate here, but, but conservative, not bitter university will delve into these issues much more in depth, provide some training, whether it's about particular issues or whether it's about the art of being um, a more persuasive conservative, right? How to win people to conservatism. And I think that that's something that I've um, I've got some experience with and I want to share some stories. I want to share some tips. And again, as we build out Conservative Not Bitter University, we'll go into this in much, much more detail. So all that being said, I'm going to take a time out here. When we get back, we'll pick up this discussion and kind of go through some of the tips and pointers and stories. Because again, I think it's very, very necessary today. Very, very necessary. The world, this country is longing for this. And I say they need it. Uh, They have questions. We have answers. We don't have all the answers, but we have answers. Why don't we connect the dots and provide those answers in the best way possible so as to persuade the most people as possible to accept these fundamental truths. So we'll talk about that when we get back. Get back, my friends. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So let's talk about this art, this art, a little bit of science, but art of persuasion. Um, The first thing I think that is important, I think there's a couple things off the top. Um, And these are things that I didn't, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. In fact, I learned a lot of this um, from a good book to read, by the way. I'll make a recommendation for a book. In fact, I envision one day having this as part of our study at Convert, uh, Conservative Not Better University. And it's a book written by Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's a great book to read. If, if we all could implement those lessons on a day-to-day basis, we would be in, uh, many times more effective at communication and persuasion. So but I didn't always know these things. In fact, I thought sales was a bad word. Um, I, I thought it was about manipulation and you know cheating people out of their money. I, when I was a younger kid, and then when I there was a time when I was in sales, and I learned that really selling, as Zig Ziglar, the great Zig Ziglar said, uh, selling is the transference of feeling. Selling is wanting someone to feel about something the way that I feel about it, and so. Like I think about 
how I feel about this country, for example. I think I have a great love and admiration for this country. And it's not made up. It's not fabricated. It's truly how I feel. And I, I think that you know this by listening to this program. I think you sense the genuine um, respect and gratitude and love that I have for this nation. And I want to impart that to other people because I look at history and I think, my goodness, the story of humanity is often written through the lens of you know, people living under extreme tyranny or extreme poverty or you know, life expectancy that would be in the 30s or whatever. And I look around today and we have so much. We have so much. And of course, we've created we've created a whole nother series of problems out of our uh, our wealth and abundance I guess you could say but these things throughout history the quality of life that we have uh, the freedom that we have even though it is it's under it is under attack by by some um, people who people who do not like this country Um. And so I want to impart that. To, I want people to feel that way. But it's not just it's not just a feeling. It's not just, oh, wow, I feel great about America, so therefore I'm going to make people feel great about America. There's actually, when, when someone begins to have that feeling, when, it's, when it begins to be you know, transferred to that person, they're going to have questions. And that's where the logic comes in. As they begin to think, wow, this is really kind of thinking this is a good thing, but what about this, right? And this is where... By the way, you hear people like Chris Wallace. Remember when he went to CNN? By the way, CNN, CNN Plus or whatever that stupid thing was called, they drove that thing into the ground, and it was a matter of weeks, wasn't it? Wasn't it only out like three weeks? Chris Wallace's program was going to be on there, and they, uh, well, Chris Wallace, not they, not they, CNN, Chris Wallace, came out and said, you know, I, I couldn't work at Fox News anymore because you know, these folks were questioning the truth. And I think, my goodness, Chris, that is, that's necessary. Questioning the truth is absolutely necessary. Truth isn't afraid of your questions, of my questions. Truth doesn't need any of us to even accept or agree with it. We should because it is what is, but um, it's not intimidated. In fact, there's no way to test truth if we can't question what may or may not be true. And this, this crazy place that we've gotten to today that says you're not allowed to ask any questions and there's somebody out there at the Ministry of Truth or whatever that's going to tell you what to believe. That's not the way that we arrive at truth. Instead, we, we do question it. We test it. We see if there's weaknesses or holes. And if there is a hole, then it's either indicative that uh, it, it indicates that we don't have a full understanding, we've misunderstood something, or maybe we're down, headed down the wrong path altogether and have to rethink what it is that we call true. Um, so that is, that's very, very important, I think, important to, to understand as well. I think also when we're starting out, and I'm going to have to take a break here in a second, but as we're starting out, I think it's important that we try to be empathetic to people who, you know, may have just recently taking an interest in politics or, you know, maybe maybe they didn't care at all. Maybe they had really bad political viewpoints. I, I had 
um, someone that called into this program. Well, he emailed me first. His name, I'm not going to use his real name. I'm going to call him I'm going to call him Steve. Steve reached out to me a few years ago. I'm not going to have time to get this whole story in. In fact, let me just stop there. I'm going to tell you the story about Steve when we get back to kind of illustrate something um, and just illustrate the process of meeting people where they are. And then I'm going to inter- uh, interject or intertwine some of these other other points that I think are important. Um, when we engage with someone and we are taking the steps to try to persuade them to to truth, the con- uh, constitutional conservative worldview, Christian conservative worldview. So we'll do that after the break. It's just time for me to take a quick time out. We'll do that. Be back here in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back, my friends. So I want to tell you this story about about Steve. Steve is, again, not his real name. A couple of years ago, Steve had engaged in a bet with some friends who listen uh, to this program. And when he lost the bet, one of the things that Steve had to do was reach out to me. And um, he was going to prepare to do an interview with me. Um, And there's a bunch of stuff to it. I don't want to get into all the details just for the sake of time. But Steve was a liberal. And when he called me, I, I told him, I said, well, Steve... You know, oh, he he said my friends thought that you would really enjoy this, and I said, well, this they're exactly right because they were gonna have they were gonna have him shave his head, I think, and like paint Trump twenty twenty on the side <laughs> in his head and that sort of thing for losing this bet. And I said, well, your friends are right. This is absolutely right up my alley. I said, and you're the one that made the bet, not me. So you know, this is uh, this is your you created this, not me. I said, but that being said. That being said, I want you to know that while we're going to have fun with this, I'm not here to humiliate you because I'm not. I'm not here to humiliate you. In fact, I would hope th- during this process you might want to reconsider because he'd shared a little bit about his views of conservatism and conservatives in general. I said I just hope by the you know throughout this process you think about the you know maybe you'll maybe you'll come to a I don't know a, a, an understanding that perhaps. Uh, conservatives are not what you've been told that that we are. And so anyway, we went through this process. We had a couple of phone calls. Um, and as we were getting ready, we, we did the last interview that was actually going to air on the program. The morning, uh, the morning the interview was supposed to air on the program, this has been some time ago, he, he had messaged me or something, left me a voicemail, texted me, I'm not sure, basically begging me not to air the, the, the interview. I think he'd kept himself up all night, and he was afraid. This is interesting to me. He was afraid that his liberal friends would hear about this and would basically lose uh, lose their minds on him. And so I didn't air the interview. I still haven't. Um, I've shared with him we might use it in our conservative, not bitter courses and so forth. But anyhow, throughout this process, I want to tell you the things I, I didn't – I didn't do a lot of. Uh, I didn't present some argument to to Steve that made him come to realization of the brilliance of my argument and the truth of conservatism. You know what I did? I listened to Steve. Um, I understood that you can't persuade everyone, and 
you know, he may not even be open to that. And it's a waste of effort to do that until you get some cues along the way. So I listened. I tried to empathize, understand where he's coming from. That's important. That's critically important. Empathizing doesn't mean that you agree or disagree with how the person is feeling about something or where their starting point is. Empathizing just means I try to put myself in that position, right? There's stories of President Lincoln um, when his wife would be, uh, they'd be talking about another family and or whoever, another individual in society at the time. And he would, Lincoln would often say to her, so it's recorded, um, if we were them, we would probably be the same way or do the same thing. And there's there's some degree of, of some sort of truth there, right? There's there's some empathy there that is worth thinking about. And that might have been part of the reason for Lincoln's ability to accomplish great things because of his ability to understand and connect with people in ways that really that really mattered. So I asked questions. That's another thing that we should do. We should ask questions. And that's after we after we listen, right? Listening is the most important thing. In fact, recently I was interviewed on the Freedom 95 podcast, and I need to post that. Um, I think that's something that it's uh, – Jeremy's a great interviewer. Jeremy at the, at the station does a great job with this. It's called uh, Voices of Freedom podcast. We've been on there twice, but I loved one of his, his questions. He basically said, hey, I'm a he. Jeremy says, I'm an introvert. Um and I just, you know, when I think about engaging people about these things, it's just very hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, how can an introvert like me, you know, even think about having these discussions? And I told him in a weird way, I think introverts may be for the first, the first steps necessary to, uh, to start the process of persuasion. I think introverts are more equipped than extroverts. Um, because the first two steps are listening, earning the right to speak, and when you do speak, to, an- to ask questions. In fact, if you ever get a red-letter Bible and you look at the, the red letters or the, or the words of Jesus, how many times Jesus spoke in parables, well, in, to this point, in questions. Jesus often spoke in questions, and I'm reminded of Zig Ziglar again. Zig was... Zig was... Um, when I was learning how to sell, Zig was as influential over teaching me how to sell as Rush Limbaugh was on trying to, uh, on on teaching me about doing what we do today, talk radio, conservative ideas, and philosophy, and all that. Uh, but but Zig Zig tells the story. <laughs> I love it, by the way. Only Zig can nail these, and Zig has uh, passed away in recent recent years, but. Only Zig can nail these. Uh, just a tremendously incredible human being, um, gifted, entertaining, smart, savvy, just great. I, I loved, I loved Zig. But Zig said that, um, you know, he was either he or he was telling the story of someone else who was asked, "Why do you always answer a question with a question?" And the response was, "Well, why not?" Right, <laughs> which is perfect. But that's the point, and you know you're you're able to say or 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 pull out of someone a response that that's not the same by making declared you know declarative statements, right? You're wrong, you know. You're I'm right, you're wrong. That's that's not an effective form of communication. Dave Ramsey would say those convinced against their will are of the same opinion. Still, that's an old uh, an old adage as well, and so. 
asking questions, listening, earning the right to speak. That's really the sort of thing I did. I did not present some great treatise on conservative principles and values to Steve. But at the end of our time together, at the end of our time together, Steve unsolicited, I got, there's a recording of this somewhere, but Steve said to me, you know, he said, this experience didn't go anything like I expected. And I said, well, what do you mean? And I think he thought I was going to mock him and humiliate him and all that stuff, which again is why I told him that off the top. I'm not going to do that. Um, He said to me, he said, our discussions, which again, were mostly questions. I didn't preach to him. I didn't, uh, you know, pound him over the head or again, uh, engage in some sort of intellectual jujitsu and get him to tap. None of that happened. None of that happened. I simply, I simply tried to empathize when the opportunity presented itself, shared what I thought was relevant. But he said to me, he said, you know, these conversations have caused me to rethink my whole worldview. That's what he said to me. And he said, in fact, and this was really interesting because I did not mention church at all. I might have told him that, you know, about my faith, maybe, but I didn't, it wasn't a huge part of the conversation. He said, in fact, it's making me reconsider uh, even going back to church. And I was just kind of dumbfounded because I thought I didn't even talk about these things. Right? I didn't talk about these things. And he said, the other thing I've realized is I think the media is lying to me. I say, you don't say. You, you don't say. You, you, you've, you think that that's the case. And we kind of laughed about it. But I didn't, my point is, I didn't do anything. That's what I want you to hear me say. I didn't do anything. But at the end of the conversation, at the end of the conversation, our time together, he said to me, he was willing to reconsider his entire worldview because he realized that it was lacking. It was lacking. And persuasion, I guess, my friends, is, is why I tell this, is not something we do to someone. It's, do, it's something we do with someone or maybe even for someone. Um, you know, it's, it's not about winning the argument. Too many people, I'll just set that person straight. I'll give them a piece of my mind. I'll tell them this and that. Who, who cares? Who do we think we are? I mean, God created all these people we're going to encounter with, I mean, pretty impressive skills, right? I mean, they're made in his image. They're definitely better at something than we, than we are, right? I mean, and there's just an innate part of that person, no matter who we're talking to, that, is, that has profound potential. And so a lot of times just through you know, being consistently committed to helping others hear and receive truth and wanting that to be, um, you know, wanting them to want to transfer that feeling of, of knowing that these ideas are true and right and worth building our lives and culture and society and government upon that, that speaks, that speaks volume, that speaks volumes. So, that was that's one story that I wanted to share with you today, and it also kind of illustrates some of the things that I think are critically important. Notice, notice, I didn't say you have to be a master of the issues. I mean, of course, you have to know some things. There's a time that there might be some conversation and some back and forth on some things, but you don't have to have a PhD level understanding. It's more about being the right type of person. 
I really believe this. Yeah, again, you have to have a basic level of understanding. They have to respect your, you have to have thought things through. You have to be able to articulate responses. And if you don't know something to say you don't know, that's necessary too. But it's more, I think, about being the right type of person than having all the right answers. Because what does not having all the right answers really prove? That there is no, there are no right answers or that Todd Huff simply doesn't have the answer to something. That seems at some point to be more likely to be the, the case, right? And so, again, why does this matter? Because people are literally, some people are literally looking for answers to their questions as far as what their worldview is going to be, how they're going to live the rest of their lives, how they're going to vote, what they're going to allow the government to do to us. How, I mean, that some really dramatic, you know, life-altering worldview level ideas and, and, you know, all that stuff. They're, they're weighing changing that, right? And they may, they may decide to follow the socialist left if we don't get in there and make the case for constitutional conservatism and truth. And getting in there isn't about screaming. It isn't about engaging in a fight. It isn't about getting them to submit. It's about meeting them where they are, understanding them, not judging them, trying to empathize with them, listen to them, earn the right to speak, ask questions, build a relationship, be human, love them genuinely. Don't look at it as a win-lose situation or that persuasion is something I do to someone. It's, it's about doing something with someone. It's in their best interest to come to the realization of, of these truths as well. There's a lot more to it. I'm really long in the segment. Quick timeouts in order. Sit tight, my friends. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. One other quick story. Um, believe it or not, we've had we've had salespeople or people on our team that are not all that are not all conservatives. That's uh, we haven't always done that. In fact, one of our salespeople who I am going to refer to as going to refer to as Lisa, not her real name. Lisa was a salesperson for us, and she told me, she said, I'm a liberal Democrat. She said, um, you know, is that okay? And I said, can you sell ads? And she said, well, yeah. And I said, well, then, you know, welcome to the team. <laughs> so... Anyway, for the first few weeks, Lisa wanted to engage me. This is back when Trump was president. She tried to goad me into fighting about Trump, and I didn't. I didn't. I just let her say whatever she wanted to say. I didn't engage. I just, you know, let it be. And after a couple weeks, she started asking me what I thought about things, and so we were able to engage. And through that discussion, through those discussions, it became clear to me that there was a pretty healthy level of agreement without me this is important without me compromising anything i mean i didn't wasn't afraid to tell her where you know where we disagreed i'm saying that there's a lot of commonality liberal democrats are not radical leftists in fact if you're listening to this program and you're a uh, a democrat today a rank and file democrat you have more in common with me as a constitutional conservative than you do with a the radical leftists that are leading your party and i Hope that you'll stop and consider that. But anyway, after some time and some discussions, we realized we had quite a bit. 
Lisa and I, the sales uh, salesperson, we had quite a bit in common. And she eventually said to me, she said, Todd, I could never support a conservative Republican, but I could support you. Now, to which I said, that's not true. You just know me, right? Now, you, you listening to my voices, many of you have stories similar to this, I have no doubt. Um, some of you have more stories than this. It's not about, I'm just telling you the stories that I know because they're the ones that I've experienced. Um, and that's why I, I still have faith in this country. I do. Because there's common, there is common ground amongst average, everyday Americans. There just, there just is. And if America is made great because it's an idea, which I contend that it is, because of the ideas upon which it was built, it stands to reason if the, if the ideas made it great, if we uh, deviate from those ideas, if we deviate far enough from those ideas, our greatness will cease to be. And so we have to figure not figure out ways not just to keep the the love for America alive amongst freedom-loving Americans. That's important. We've also got to grow the tent. We've got to we have to persuade people if we actually want to continue uh, to to move the needle towards truth and constitutional conservatism. And I think that there are plenty of opportunities out there. I don't tell you any of these stories. I I think that anyone who engages in these things and tries to do them according to these principles that we've lined out, that we've outlined, and there's a lot more. But I think that anyone that does that will have stories of their own as well. So I want you to know that I'm not. It's not because. Uh, I think that anybody can can do this. I don't think anything, any of these stories is special for me. I want you to hear me, hear me say that. I think that we call, can all have stories like this. People want truth. People need to hear it. The question is, are you willing to step in and provide it? Quick time out, my friends. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. <laughs> All right, my friends, I hope you've enjoyed this program. It's a little bit different than the normal, but not entirely. We just didn't talk about current events. We spent more time talking specifically about some of these skills and some of the stories, some of the stories that um, I've experienced from just engaging in this stuff. And again, some of the things that you've experienced undoubtedly as well. So, But these are the sorts of things we're going to tackle on conservative not bitter university as we continue to grow and develop that that program. And the whole point here, the whole point is to help people, give them help give people tools to make sure that we pass on a nation that is reflective of how it was founded. And I've got to go. Have a great day. SDGC is soon take care.